You are listening to Your Money Story. I am Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day, and a PhD candidate researching superannuation engagement. Your Money Story is about celebrating your journey, including you in the money conversation, empowering you to take control of your finances, and equalizing your position wherever you are. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal, financial, objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness having regard to your objectives, needs and financial situation. This episode, we discuss the journey of formidable Gen Y woman, Chloe Liao. I have so much of admiration for Chloe's courage to live each day according to her values and support her community fearlessly. Chloe is the founder of the ACT Collective, which is a women's community group in Perth, which seeks to provide a safe space for women to serve and empower each other. She is also a compliance manager within the financial planning industry. Chloe discovered early on that as a Gen Y woman, she needed to equalize the power disparity within the workplace, between employer and employee. She did this by astute budgeting strategies, which still allows her every day to stick to living her truth. Thank you very much for being one of my first guests ever uh, to, to come on the show. So could you just explain a bit of your story and, and, and what your attitude to money is? Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you for having me here yeah. on your podcast. And I'm yeah. very, very honoured to be one of your first few guests. Too many nice words you say about me, but uh, thank you so much. I think um, I do recognise that I'm in a privileged situation, not because I come from a wealthy background or anything, but because of um, my early experiences and watching my family's relationship with money. And I think um, because I didn't, I wouldn't say I come from a well-off family uh, and I saw my parents' relationship with money and it wasn't very a happy one. It was always arguments around it or there's always stress and anxiety around the topic of money I think I by looking at that you can only go two ways one accept that that's that's the relationship with money and that's how I can continue to treat money that way or actually go the other way and say I actually want to have a better relationship with money and I think I chose that route intentionally Mm -hmm. and subconsciously Um, through watching interactions and maybe feeling the stress as a child and not knowing how I could help. I think I told myself as I grow older that I don't want to be in that situation Mm -hmm. or ever want to have to fight with money. And then I think I would say, you know, my journey with money only started in my early 20s. I never, prior to that, I spent my money however I want to spend it and I never thought about saving when I'm and living in uh not that living in debt I didn't have debt but it's mm-hmm. more like living paycheck to paycheck was the norm for me for the longest time mm-hmm. I would say I only started being more intentional about it and reading and learning about it in my in my mid 20s early 20s like maybe 23 24 25 that mm-hmm. was when I started like reading about it um, and, and and wanting to have that uh, good relationship with money and not just spending my money paycheck to paycheck. So that's when I would say I started saving. Yeah, but I, I think um, 
like I think that's early, you know, so I'm, I can relate probably mm-hmm. in two ways. There's a financial advisor who's spoken to younger people, but also myself, you know, if mm-hmm. I think about my mid-20s, um, I think I was just randomly implementing things in life without any direction. Yeah. Um, so, at, yeah, again, that's why I think the lessons that you have um, are, are really quite important to share. Now, you're part of the financial planning industry. Um, can you just tell our listeners a bit about your role? Um, at this stage, I sit between compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my role that I'm doing. And also uh, a little bit of para planning and writing strategies, uh, helping the advisors write strategies. I would say it's a skill that I'm still developing, the para planning mm-hmm. side. But I do really love the legal side of financial planning and the compliance side of financial planning. I was an advisor earlier in my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I realized that, you know, through the journey of being advised, it's interesting because I didn't quite feel fulfilled to, it in, to an extent, um, partly because I was quite heavily involved in community work at that time as well. And I do feel like my hands were tight behind my back a little bit. That that, mm-hmm. that was my experience. Okay. And um, I want to be able to talk about my financial journey freely. Okay. Without having the legal side over my head thinking that they could perceive this as advice. I know everyone has to put a disclosure at the start of presentation, but I just want to be able to say, this is what I do personally. And I don't want people to to see it as advice. And I think I just felt that I, I just felt that everything had to be vetted before had to go, you know, and I'm not sure whether you had that experience before, but for me, that was, that was one aspect of it. Um, and I think I just, I just don't, I just came to a point where I'm like, I don't think advice, I don't want to be an advisor. I love the client interaction and I love talking to my clients, uh, but I do, like what I'm doing now, I feel like I'm in that sweet spot where I'm doing compliance using my legal brain, which is my background, mm-hmm. and then being able to learn strategy, you know, that side of the technical side of things, but also being able to share that information freely without yeah. people seeing me as an advisor. It could be interesting to our listeners who are in financial planning or in that stage where they're working out which role they sit in financial planning. So I think what you do in financial planning is every much as important as a financial advisor because those of us who are financial advisors know that we don't act alone. We have a whole team supporting us. And I think how you've described your role where where you are um, is that it's a very collaborative relationship with the end goal to help your clients out. Definitely. Um, and the broader part of this story of, of also why you're significant here, besides your very smart ways with money management, is you've managed money wisely to be able to pursue what is important to you. Yeah. Um, and could you please tell us more about that, Chloe? So it's, it's you've got your actually your main focus. The role yeah. in financial planning is almost like a support role to that, that bigger purpose. I am very, very passionate about um, community work and that's part of my values and giving back to the community is something that I love. I genuinely love doing that. And um, I think financial planning, as you said, for me, it's like a way for me to make an income, to then be able to support 
the things that I love to do, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I have, um, I, I, I have a women's group that I started and it's called the Edge Collective. And basically it supports vulnerable people. Um, most of them women, some of them from migrant and refugee background. Um, and, you know, there are things that we try to support them through, mm-hmm. which is like um, uh, uh, separation, divorce, um, you know, community connection, mm-hmm. um, helping each other through. It could be a simple thing, like if someone needs help to get from point A to point B, um, we just get make that happen, you know. And if someone's struggling from a toxic relationship, we want to be able to be able to provide that support to them. Um, so that that's the whole intention of the group. And I think because I moved from Singapore mm-hmm. on my own at such a young age, I never, I felt like I never had that community. Yeah. You know, I, I I felt I did feel a little bit isolated, um, and I realized that when I'm involved in community, I'm unintentionally creating my own community Mm -hmm. and I think that's it's so nice to see different people from different backgrounds sharing their different life experiences and I think that's what Edge Collective is all about it's about sharing information supporting one another so that nobody can ever feel like they're alone in any situation Um, and that's what I really hope that we give and provide to the community. And and I've seen that as well in your posts. Like it's not just one area that you're helping with or one person. I think it's like you said, if, if somebody's, um, if there's a woman in need, um, you're going to find a way. I mean, you took a collection for Dress for Success in Perth. The next thing I saw was that when lockdown happened, you guys put a message out there saying that you had masks available. There could be a number of women listening to this podcast that very much align with those values where you're going... Um, you were kind of destined for this higher purpose, right? Like, because that's the way I I, I, I view you, Chloe. I, I see the amount of, of courage you have to pursue what you have. From a financial planning point of view, I kind of see that you couldn't do that without good money management. I think that's what mm. you've sort of explained to me that when you've arranged your money uh, in a way that is structured and strong, it gives mm. you options. There's a particular fund that yeah. I never heard of till I spoke to you, but it's so smart because again, it's one of those things I look back on hearing your journey and going, oh, I wish I had set, had that set up. The way you pursued it was very smart. Um, oh, thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I shall not swear on this podcast, yeah. but I do have a fun, um, apart from, you know, funds that I put aside for community work. I do have a fun called FU Money. And it's literally that like, I think that for me, as someone who does not have my immediate family here, um, you know, that or any, I feel like if anything happened to me in a serious manner, I, I guess you can call it like an emergency fund or anything like that. But for me, I saved that money for the purpose of protecting myself in any way, shape or form. Like mm-hmm. if something were to happen to me, I'll be able to stand on my own two feet. Um, but it has also provided me options such as quitting a toxic workplace yes. without having to apologize and not stress about money, um, being able to pay my mortgage 
when I started saving at that point was up to six months. And that's including of my share and my partner's share of the mortgage. So okay. if, if I was out of work and he's still working, he can pay his share and probably that could last for a year um, of me paying back my mortgage. Um, and, and that fund is I consistently contribute to it now mm -hmm. at, all, all, at all times. Every time I get paid, I get paid weekly. Um, my money goes in there and I don't actually touch it unless I need it for an emergency. But I think I've used it in very hard, dis, um, hard situations in my career. I think most of the times I, I feel like as an employee of someone, this is my mm -hmm. strong belief. Yeah. Um, that I am the own director of my own life mm -hmm. as much as I am, I am an employee for someone. I feel that having that money allows me to say, because, you know, in a workplace, there's a power imbalance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me to have that to fall back on, it's like me protecting myself against power imbalance and potential bullying in the workplace you know yeah. which I have been through um and I feel strong when I quit a job a toxic yeah. job and I'm like this I don't need you <laughs> you're not for me you know and I've said that before like I don't need this job and it feels great to say it because right. nobody owns me you know yeah. so if you're breaking um, up with your job you can kind of say it's not me it's you <laughs> that's basically what you can say <laughs> I think I've said a few brutal things, but not with the intention to hurt. It's yes. more with the intention of getting my point across in that I think traditionally we always may view that, you know, whatever our boss says is go. But if, if I watch, you know, a senior staff member or my boss, and if they are not practicing what they preach and they are doing something that is not right at all, I think as an employee, I have a right to point that out, mm -hmm. you know, but a lot of people don't because for fear of losing their job, for fear of judgment. But I think I reach a point that I don't care. Yeah. And I, I, I don't care for approval of my bosses and I don't care for approval of the people in the industry if they may feel that I am too outspoken on certain topics. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important that we feel comfortable to speak out on things that matters to us yeah and, and and I always tell myself as long as I go to bed being able to sleep at night knowing yes. that I've lived my values every day or wake up and live my values that's all that matters I would like to think that money is one aspect of being able to feel powerful and confident in saying what you want but I think the thing that is most important on top of that is my community mm -hmm. and having that support from my community, wh whether it's within the financial planning industry or outside the financial planning industry, I'm lucky to have both. Because at the end of the day, people can take money away from you. Like say, for example, if you aren't happy and what you say can get you in trouble, you know, mm -hmm. you can take my community or my family away from me. And that's more powerful than anything. Like, you know, I am very lucky and thankful for the things that I have, a roof mm -hmm. over my head, and it's steady income that's coming in. But if that was all taken away, I know I'll still be happy and will be able to find happiness through my community and the yeah. support that I have from the people around me. So I, I, 
there's like three things that have jumped out for that. Um, and I think this is something actually we didn't quite cover because we haven't actually put a label to it when we talk more freely, right? And we're talking in this yeah. podcast. So it, it's it's a chance to also kind of closely examine what you're saying here. Yeah. Uh, but you talked about equalizing power um, mm-hmm. and you're right. You know, that, that sense of ownership, which is the second thing. When you're an employee, there's a sense of ownership over you. You are basically selling part of your time in a day Mm-hmm. to someone else mm-hmm. so therefore they're owning you for that part of the day mm-hmm. um, and when you talk about equalizing power especially in the financial services industry um, women are generally uh, put in a situation where there is a power disparity um, and and we, we find different ways of trying to equate that those two points are really powerful but at, at the third point is that you're, you're not saying that money is your focus in life, but money is mm-hmm. the enabler to give you freedom to pursue whatever mm-hmm. you want in life. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not saying that you don't need money. Um, you know, it's not that that kind of, you know, that Jesse J song where it's not all about the money. You, it, you mm-hmm. need to structure your money. It's not about being mm-hmm. rich. Mm-hmm. It's, it's putting in place what you talked about because in, in finance books and, and uh, different kind of suggestions, people can't talk about emergency funds. Yeah. What I thought about your situation with the FU fund is so much more than an emergency. This is talking about your life. You know, this is talking about your life and your choices and mental health because Mm -hmm. toxic workplaces, um, you know, they can take a lot out of you as well. Um, So I, I, if, if any of our listeners are in that position where you are able to start constructing your money and, and placing it into different pots, Mm -hmm. that emergency fund should be able to also give you the freedom to move. So if you're planning to be an employee for a while, I think that's quite an important point. Or if you find yourself in Chloe's position where she is pursuing community work because that's where she sees her purpose at, just make sure that the budget supports that or it's almost like a lead up. You came across this, correct me if I'm wrong, because you started actively looking for a mentorship relationship and it was part of the mentoring that you received. Is is, is that correct? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, I was putting money away. I was saving money and putting it away. I never asked, stopped to ask myself why, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt like when I connected and understood my values and putting and, and viewing money in that way was motivated me even more to literally just dump even more money away to my FU money. So let me give you an example. I was saving a bunch of money, but I never know why. I just like, oh yeah, you know, this initially it was going to start for um, in the event that if my parents get sick, I will be able to fly back to Singapore and, you know, it pay the mortgage if anything happens. But I never thought of it in such a detail that aligned with my values until when I first actually, I, I met your colleague, Joseph, he was actually my first mentor in the industry. And I thank him for teaching me and, uh, and telling me to be clear on my values. Mm-hmm. And, and he was the one that put it in my head. It says that actually said that if you're clear in your values and you go into your workplace, and if your employer doesn't have the same values as you, it's never going to work out regardless mm-hmm. of how long you stay. Right. And I was like, that is so true because I was living it like I, you know, so I actually went back and I sat down and I wrote what my values are, what's important to me. 
And then I went back to ask my boss, like, where do you see this business going? Mm-hmm. Like, what's important to you? And of, at that time, I was an advisor and I realized that where they were headed is not something that I see myself in, you know? And at that time, I had the ability um, to make good money, you know, as an advisor, mm-hmm. right? The opportunities were there. And I actually quit my job to take a step back in, back in my career, although my my current boss, Julia, she would never allow me to say that I've taken a step back in my career yes. at that point in time. Yes. Um, because she said that as long as I'm learning and growing, I'm yes. taking a step forward, right? And having that and, and m- making that change of mind, thinking that being an advisor was some, one thing that I wanted to achieve and because it was the next step for me mm-hmm. and I've achieved that. Um, I got there and I'm like, is there all, all to it? I feel quite miserable, <laughs> you know? And I was laughed at, Dawn. Like, they, when I left, I remember my boss at that time saying to me, why would you do it? You have the ability to make decent income. Mm-hmm. So you'll be making more than your partner. Why would you do that? And one of the nastiest thing that actually happened to me and I will never forget was when I started at my new job and I took a step back he took the rest of the office to Bali and they actually butt doubt me um, oh. to show me that they were all at the beach chilling out, yeah. laughing that, haha, Chloe must still be in the office. I thought that wasn't very nice, you know, and I'm a professional in the first place, but that kind of behavior really motivated me to be like, nah, I will never ever let people like this yeah. make me ever feel that way. And I think that click, I was like, not my employer. Yes. Not my employer. No one in this industry should ever make me feel tiny mm-hmm. or small. Um, and I will only surround myself with good people. And I and that's why I found when Joseph said, you know, find people with the right values to be able to support you. Our path cross, you know, yes. I met you through Grace. You know, yes. Grace and I wouldn't have been connected if I didn't read a newspaper article on her work that she was doing. And I sent her an email and I'm like, hey, let's catch up for coffee. And I know it, I, and I know it's uncomfortable because I felt uncomfortable at that time. I even felt uncomfortable reaching out to Joseph. I didn't mm-hmm. even know him, you know? And the fact that he took time out of his day to have coffee with me and teach me these things, I applied those things to my life. When yes. I met you and you taught me about, you know, when I was deciding if I should stay in this industry or not because I was feeling quite down and disappointed. Mm-hmm you know, post-Royal Commission, how things are, you know, certain things that I wasn't happy about. And, you know, and you actually said to me, you can't give up. The industry needs people like you. And, um, and, and I guess what's heartbreaking for me as a female financial advisor is that when, when women are within financial planning, or I suppose any industry, and they're in a toxic environment, they kind of go, the whole industry is not for them and they might exit you know, mm-hmm. and what happens is that the industry suffers for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my conversation was more so not of um, you should become a financial advisor. I was so scared yeah. that no, you're going to leave because I, I saw your passion. Yeah. I saw what you wanted to do for communities as well. Yeah. Um, I saw how smart you are with going and how passionate you are. When why why would we want to lose you as a community? You know, so yeah. um, you know, I think that's something that we both have in common is that we do reach out to people who. Um, can energize us and also I think what we both felt about each other is that yeah. we knew we were not 
both crazy people for feeling the way we feel about <laughs> value systems. Part of it, that kind of leads in to the question about the, the Gen Y women specifically. Yeah. Um, why is it important for the Gen Y women to get mentored? Watching the people that have walked the path before you, it doesn't matter whether they are older than you or younger than you. You can learn so much from that, from their journey. Mm-hmm. And I think watching it from afar inspires me subconsciously that or gives me hope if I'm feeling down while some things in life may disappoint me there are good people around doing great things mm-hmm. right and um, for example when I have been in uh, toxic workplaces and and multiple of them in the industry I can automatically assume that mm-hmm. this place the industry I can just paint it like a you know, like a paintbrush and say, it's all the same. Every practice out there is like that. And that's finance. Why should I have to accept that? You know, but I am so lucky in that I am currently now working in in a place where they, they act and they speak their values and their values are closely aligned to my values. So I, I feel that for people who feel that there is no hope, at that point when I was feeling, yeah. you know, or if you're feeling that um, you may want to make a career change. Mm-hmm. I always think it's smart to speak to people who have, who are actually practicing the role, what they think about it. And I think that they can give you valuable insight and you may not feel like you're alone in your journey. And I think that's what I felt when I met you, when I was going through a really hard time. And when Grace was like, oh, you should, I think she sent an email to meet Dawn. She's in financial planning, same values as you, have coffee with her. I didn't feel alone. And I was feeling alone at that point in time. Uh, And I'm glad that I was able to talk with you and you encouraged me in some way to not give up. And I'm glad that since then until now, we maintain that communication and open communication. You allow for me to, you know, lean in and ask you questions if I'm feeling a certain way. Look, because you're giving us tips as we go along, right? By yeah. sharing your journey. Yeah. One of the things is the FU fund. You're talking about yeah. budgeting. Make sure you've got something for the freedom that's there. Yeah. You talked about mentoring, you know, yeah. being able to get someone else to help guide you on that journey, to just make that journey clearer. Yeah. You're also talking about circle of support. You know, you're yeah. saying that that you've got to be able to build your community. So you're doing things for the community. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you need to build a community um, around you yeah. so that you can, you know, you can be supported to have the journey that you're in because it's not always an easy part to tread, but it's easier yeah. when you've got support system. 100%. Yeah. So you've, you've really given us like three really valuable magical tips. Part of it, I think, like I, I really hear your passion and your drive. You're talking about values. You know, I mm-hmm. spoke to um, Azaria before mm-hmm. and she was talking about the Gen Z woman. Yeah. And yeah. she said they're very value-driven and very purpose-driven. And she said mm-hmm. the misconception is that that generation maybe is not serious about work because they're trying to connect what they do to a higher purpose. Yeah. So if you could define the Gen Y woman, being in that generation, mm-hmm. who is the Gen Y woman to you? To me, okay, yeah. I can't speak for everyone in yeah. Gen Y because everyone has different relationships or different views or different values. Yeah. Um, but to me, as a Gen Y woman... I feel similar to what Azaria has said in terms of living your values and yes. it's, it's meaningful. Um, 
that is definitely a big part of my life, mm-hmm. um, living true to my values and having, um, you know, the support system and, you know, may, being able to make an income through that. But I think the Gen Y woman, I think we also are similar to, mm-hmm. to Gen X in the sense that we want to be able to work in a workplace that talks their values, but also walks the walk, Yeah, you know? I think we're always looking for a job that inspires us or, mm-hmm. you know, but I also think that we are motivated in making changes to things that we may see as whatever old school is defined, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like yourself, I think you have a very, you have your own view of who financial, what the kind of financial planning you want to provide. You're very clear on that, you know? And I think that's great because it's quite, it's different, but it's great, you know, and I love it. And that's why I think, as you said, like we, you wish, uh, you hope that I don't give up in this industry and you know, continue yeah. to be there the same way as when I look at you and you're in the industry, I'm like thankful for that <laughs> from like an, from an outsider's perspective. If I live, left the industry, I'm like, thank God for advisors like you. Thank God for advisors with good values. Thank God for advisors. Thank God for businesses like the practice I work in, you know? You know, that's one of the things that I think if you're talking about support systems and now you've mentioned a fourth thing, Chloe, like you just call this Have all I? the wisdom's dropping. Yeah. Um, that, when you build your support system, you're actually changing the reality of what you see, right? Because if you're stuck in a toxic environment and you think this is reflective of how a whole industry is, you really start believing it. Yeah. But for me personally, I use LinkedIn and yeah. I like connecting up to people who are doing exciting things. And yeah. I think we've got similar value systems or in the industry because my virtual world becomes like my reality. I know that sounds weird, yeah. the virtual world becomes that but I needed to construct the world that I wanted you know so personally I connect up to a lot of women in financial planning yeah in my virtual world you know the breakup between female and male advisors is not 20% women and 80% men I think in my world it might be like something like 70% women 30% men you know yeah. because I can construct that I don't have control over uh, maybe the people you do interact with but I've, I've got control with how I react but yes. what I admire from your point of view is that you've allowed yourself to be unburdened um, by things like being stuck in a place because of financial reasons you've used money in a very very smart way to to pursue community and people might think that these two things are separate if you're community minded surely you're not money minded Mm -hmm. but what you're saying is that if you've got money your money journey set up you can persecute community. If you've got, yeah, if you've got mentorship, you're going to be able to stay the course to where you want to be. If you've yes. got a circle of support, you're not going to get burnt out by trying to pursue a challenging path because yeah. face it, we are, we are all facing a challenging path, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever reason that might be. Um, and, and when you construct your world, what you're saying as well now is that, you know, you surround yourself really as much as possible with people within your community who give you that hope that there is a better tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so that that is fantastic, Chloe. You do a lot of reading. You do you look at a lot of resources. Yeah. So for our listeners, I would just like them to be able to take away something that they can action um, easily. Mm-hmm. So what are three things you think from a financial point of view that they could action 
easily, but makes a difference for them moving forward. One, I think learn about your values, mm -hmm. like okay. really sit down and identify what is meaningful to you. And it could be different things, yes. you know, and it doesn't have to be what my values are. It can be whatever you want to be, as long yes. as you're happy with it. Number two, I would say set up that F your money yeah. or <laughs> to be able to live your values yeah. and be unapolog unapologetically you. Correct. You know? Love it. Love it. Love it. Yep. And number three. Whilst we may have ties and attachment to certain things in the world, such as our job titles or yeah. um, our attachment to saying that this is my title, this is who I am in the industry, yes. this is what I am. Just know that there's a bigger world out there mm -hmm. yep. and your impact goes way beyond just being called or titled a financial planner, mm -hmm. you know? It, uh, you are worth more than that. The, the last thing I want someone to feel is that if they feel that they are a lawyer and this is how they should be and this mm. is their world and everything, you can love your job. You can love what you do, but don't be so tight to their identity because when you feel that, how, how do I describe this? I don't know how to describe this in a way that I initially was very, I'll just give you an example. I was very tight. I thought that financial planning is for me. I was in the role and I was like in this industry and I was actually quite active in it you know and I think I had to go through a few challenges in the industry to realize that all these things don't matter to me and I don't care if if this industry may think a certain way of me or like because I was attached to me being working in this industry you know mm -hmm. I, I think learning to detach from that and not really caring I really don't give a shit what yeah. people think um I think it's very freeing and very liberating it's relevant it's relevant I think this comes up a lot because people are trying to find their way in which, whichever industry that they're in whether it's financial planning or not um I think what you're trying to say is understand the motivation hmm. behind why you're pursuing something if you're just doing it for a job title that's probably yes. not yeah that's probably not going to be sustainable that's yeah, that's why you said point one, know your values. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll lead you back to your point one statement, yeah. which was know your values. And when when you understand that that driver, mm -hmm. know your values, but also have a good budgeting system, I would say yeah. as well. Yeah, that's a combination. 100%. That helps you make decisions for the future. And yeah, if you do kind of um, get it wrong where you've, you've ended up in a place where it doesn't suit you, which, which happens, mm -hmm. you can make decisions to correct that course. You know, it doesn't mean you're going backwards. You're just changing the course of where you need to be. Yeah. So, um, no, I think those are very, very important tips. Your representation of the Gen Y woman is, is something so beautiful and powerful. Um, and you just got to continue to spread the joy and magic that you do, Chloe. The, the corporate theme of International Women's Day mm -hmm. is choose to challenge I'm not going to ask you what you choose to challenge this year because you challenge a lot of things. You're, you're a bit of a, a warrior woman. What do you want to challenge our listeners to choose to challenge this year? What, what's your, your, your challenge to them? I think to pursue anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. Oh, get out of your comfort zone. Okay. Anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. I really want to do improv <laughs> because it's so uncomfortable and I think like treat it like a game yeah I'm going to do this and if I fail I fail yeah but I think it teaches you like valuable skills along the way so 
I don't know, I'm challenging myself this year to do things that I feel really uncomfortable about, you know, doing this, you know, and being recorded on a podcast it's uncomfortable I said yes even though I was questioning myself <laughs> why I really represent the Gen Y woman because my I recognize that I'm in a privileged situation to be where I am at today but there are also a lot of vulnerable women out there yes. that may not be able to have that luxury for for putting money aside and I do recognize that but I also want to help them as much as I can yes you know? and you're doing you're doing that Chloe I think so that's that's what you're really doing with the oh. X Collective as well. I really like that challenge because you're talking about the importance of being outside of your comfort zone. Mm. So for um, our listeners out there, you know, think of what could be a new area of, of boundary for you, whether that's speaking up in a meeting that you've been quiet about all this time. Uh, you know, Chloe's talking about improv, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll think about more about the workplace, you know, if, yeah. um, you know, maybe try praising yourself at a meeting. Maybe just share a story about awesome, something awesome that you've done for someone. That's okay. People need to know. So, so practice um, being a bit uncomfortable and, yeah. and grow. Yeah. Yeah. You can find Chloe on different mediums through LinkedIn and Instagram. You know, if you want to reach out and find out more about her story, um, I think she will be a brilliant mentor uh to anyone the gen y to me no gen y and gen z journey um and we'll put some of those details on the show notes uh thank you everyone for listening and thank you chloe on a saturday for giving me your time no my pleasure thank you so much john thank you for joining our circle of stories subscribe for new episodes let's change how the story ends